Romans chapter 16. Now, I will confess to you, I preached this message on this Sunday last year. And, uh, but I felt needful that it preached again today. And so, we're going to read the first two verses. We'll look at the um, major portion of the chapter throughout the message. But for the sake of time this morning, we'll read the first two verses together. Let's read them together, if you will. Okay. Verse number one. I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Sincrea, that you receive her in the Lord as becometh saints, and that ye assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you. For she hath been a succour of many and of myself also. Our Father, we pray for now the preaching and delivery of this message of the Word of God. And I pray, Father, that you would help us, Lord, to uh, place great emphasis on where the Bible places great emphasis. Lord, I, what, what wonderful singing this morning, and uh, what a blessing that group was, the couples ensemble today. And I pray that you would bless us as we get in your word now. Uh, Father, there are, there, are, there are activities after the service. There are different things that are going on. But Lord, we want to focus on you and your goodness and how we can bless others. We pray this in the name and power of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. It was some 27 years ago that I, uh, the Lord led me to ministry and uh, a life of Christian service and um, uh, being a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And even before that time, when I was 19 years of age and I was growing in the Bible and my pastor would give me books to read, uh, a fire began to burn within my heart, and I wanted to be a powerful preacher who set the world on fire for Jesus Christ. I just, I wanted to see great revivals take place and, and see hundreds of people being saved. I read, if you go to my office now, you'll find a number of biographies of great men and great women who were greatly used of God. And their lives were worthy of having books written about them. And books that, uh, that personally encouraged me and it just kind of pushed me that if God could use them, maybe God could use an individual like myself. And their influence is still being felt hundreds of years later in many cases, some decades later. And then when we read the Bible, men like the Apostle Paul, who was a masterful preacher, he was a teacher, he was a theologian, he was a soul winner, he was a missionary, he was a church planter. God used him and others like him greatly as we go throughout the book of Acts and we read on throughout church history. And I saw myself blazing a trail across America and witnessing hundreds of people saved, 
thought I'd be this fiery evangelist, you know, and, and God would do uh, remarkable things. And I'm thankful for the men of God that God has used in such a way and whose, men whose testimonies inspire us to dream big for Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for men like David Lewis, who is with us today, and I'm thankful for Dr. Traxler. I'm thankful for Shane Lewis. I'm, I'm thankful for Larry Culp. I'm thankful for uh, individuals whom God has used greatly, and I love to just sit and listen to them and the stories that they have to say, have to tell us about what God has done in their lives. But one day, this has been a number of years ago now, I was reading Romans chapter 16 in my daily Bible reading. And it changed, it changed my life. And it changed me personally in regards to the way that I viewed ministry. And in this chapter, we see another side of the great preacher Paul. And throughout this letter, the letter to the Romans... The Holy Spirit inspired Paul to deliver this great letter filled with New Testament church doctrine. And within its pages, there are such rich truths that we could take this one book and reach the world with a gospel of Jesus Christ and establish a local church. There is a reason why it is called the Romans Road. But Paul concludes this letter recognizing the people who had helped make his ministry what it was and were doing a mighty work in their own lives, although they are not as well known. I don't find in Scripture where Paul was lifting up himself. But as he closes out this letter to the Romans... It was important for him to mention certain individuals by name. Men and women who are in their own way giants in the faith. In reading this chapter, it made me pause and consider all of the people who are faithfully give of themselves to see a ministry flourish. I started thinking about in the days of D.L. Moody and the revivals that took place and Billy Sunday and Mordecai Ham and Sam Jones and Bob Jones Sr. and Billy Graham who, who, who each saw thousands of people come to Christ as God blessed their powerful preaching and I thank God for such men. The ministries, their ministries are well documented and everyone in Christianity knows the accomplishments of the great apostolic preacher of Paul. But Romans 16 taught me to consider those whose names you never know, who made such remarkable, historical, evangelistic campaigns well known. I thought about those who planned and organized great revivals in their cities. One thing you learn when you, are, when you are a leader, you cannot do it by yourself. Especially when you're doing things on a large scale. The preacher was coming. 
D.L. Moody was coming. Billy Sunday was coming. Bob Jones Sr. was coming. Billy Graham was coming. But there were those months ahead of it before they got there who were planning and organizing and making sure everything was what it needed to be. There were those who canvassed their communities prior, weeks prior to get the word out and invite people to come. Those who were responsible for building the great tabernacles. The Ryman Auditorium was not built for the Grand Ole Opry. The Ryman Auditorium was built and financed so that Sam Jones could go to Nashville and preach great revivals. I think of the individuals who swung the big hammers as they drove the tent pegs and raised up the large tents. I think of those who set up the chairs and scattered the sawdust on the ground in preparation for all of those who would come. I, I think of the individuals who make sure the facilities were operating properly and are clean for the guests to arrive I think of those who take care of the children so moms and dads can hear the word of God preached without interruption. I think of those who give graciously some of their plenty and some of their few mites that they have to offer. I think of those who are praying as they beg God to do something worthy of his glory among them. Praying for souls to be saved and lives to be transformed. I think of those who followed up on the decisions that were made during the meeting and those who were discipling new believers long after the great evangelists had left town and gone elsewhere. To me, those are the faithful people who do their part in this great work of God. Amen? And to me, they are giants themselves. So I believe in Romans 16 that a Spirit-filled Apostle Paul recognized this as well. His ministry could never be what it was without strategic people coming alongside of him. In fact, he would have been executed in the very early stages of his Christian life if some people hadn't came together, put him in a basket, led him outside the city walls, and held the ropes as he went down. If it wasn't for those individuals, surely the Apostle Paul would have been captured and executed because of his newfound faith in Jesus Christ. Verses 1 through 16 of this chapter, Paul mentions some by name who mattered greatly to him, who mattered to the churches in which they served. And certainly, because the Bible is written under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, certainly these individuals meant something to the Lord because he had them placed in Scripture for all of eternity. The first one that he's mentioned is a, is a beloved woman by the name of Phoebe. Now, we know the 12 apostles. We know some of the ladies who were, were with Jesus during his ministry. But many of these names you wouldn't even bring up, you wouldn't even know them in a Bible trivia question. But Priscilla is one, or Phoebe is one that Paul mentions first. He was hoping to go to Rome on his way to Spain. 
But instead, he sent this letter by the hands of Phoebe to prepare them for his arrival. And I want you to look with me in verse number one as the Bible describes her, as Paul describes her. First of all, he describes her as a, as a sister, our sister. The most important testimony any of us can have is to be a part of the family of Jesus Christ. To be a brother or a sister in Christ. Someone who's a part of our family. Every, every person, Clarence Sexton often taught this, every person needs to have three homes. They need to have a, they need to have a heavenly home, number one. Every person should know that they have a home reserved for them in heaven. That is found in a relationship with Jesus Christ alone. Every person should be a part of a Christian home. That home ought to be centered and founded on the Lord Jesus Christ. And every person ought to have a church home. Because it is a body of believers who serve together. And that brings up the next point about Phoebe. She is one who is a servant of the church at Sincrea. If you are in the family of Christ, that's blessing, that's wonderful. But are you a servant of Christ or just a spectator? Phoebe was recognized, yes, because she was a part of the body of Christ. She was a part of the church. She was a, she was a fellow believer. But she was also someone who was busy doing something, serving, helping, ministering. She was one that Paul could count on. and She meant something to him. So don't just be a church member, amen? Be someone who's busy doing something, serving the Lord. Be someone that can be taken for granted, someone who can be trusted, someone who we know will get the job done. Paul commends her. Then you see in verse number two, he mentions that she is a saint. That you receive her in the Lord as becometh saints and that you assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you. I'm thankful for this. The Bible calls believers saints. Amen? But some believers don't act like it. Uh, she, was, she was a blessing. He says, receive her in the Lord as become a saints. And then he says, assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you. Whatever Phoebe needs, I want you to help her to see it through and to get it done. Be a blessing to her. Help her, come alongside of her and minister with her. And the reason, he says at the end of verse 2, is she hath been a secure of many and of myself also. Now this is the only time this word shows up in the Bible. And it's a word of dignity, indicating the high esteem with which she was regarded. Among the Jews, it signified a wealthy patron of the community. Phoebe was a protectress of many. She looked after others and helped them with her, with her resources. She was a blessing. And Paul noted, noted her testimony. Then we see in verses 3 through 5, Priscilla and Aquila... Now, they show up a couple of times in the book of Acts. They're probably a little bit more well-known than the rest of the people in, uh, that are mentioned in Romans 16. Aquila was a Jew who dwelled in Italy, Italy during the time of Claudius. And the Roman emperor was paranoid of all Jews 
and he expelled them out of Rome during his reign. So Aquila and Priscilla ended up in the city of Corinth where they dwelled as uh, tent makers. And in Acts chapter 18, a preacher by the name of Paul come to town and uh, he took up the occupation of tent making himself. And while he was there, he lived with this couple for a time. And every Sabbath in the synagogue and without a doubt every day at work and at home, they heard the evangelist reason with them out of the scriptures concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. And in Romans 16, they they later traveled with him to Ephesus and and Paul mentions them here in this chapter. Read with me verse number three. He says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles likewise greet the church that is in their house. I'm going to tell you something. If you're someone who is willing to lay down your life for the sake of the gospel, If you're willing to stand alongside of a preacher, alongside of a pastor, and you're willing to give everything, I'm going to tell you something. You you can encourage that preacher. Are you with me? There are many, believe it or not, there are many discouraging things that happen every week. There are many things that you have to deal with when you deal with people in general. And, and there are a lot of things that, that can discourage you along the way. And there are things that can be said. And if it's not other people, a lot of times it's yourself. Am I doing any good? Lord, help me in what I'm facing. And then you have someone like an Aquila or Priscilla who comes along. Like a Gary Chandler who comes along. Preacher, how you doing? Been praying for you this week. I love you. Preacher, you're doing a good job. Thank God for you. I got a text on Friday, a random text from someone that I don't normally get a text message from. Preacher, I just love you. My family love you, and we're thankful you're our pastor. I needed that on Friday. You know how it is. The last few weeks have been difficult on my health. When your health is bad, your whole spirit goes bad. Are you with me? And then you throw in some other things and, and different things that happen. And, uh, and then you just have someone come along, an Aquila or Priscilla, and say, hey, how can I be a blessing to you? How can I help you? If you want to have church, preacher, if you need to have a meeting place, why don't you just come to our house? We'll open up our living room. We'll have worship there. When I was in the Philippines... I'd showed a picture. They, in these settlements, people lived in houses that were 12 foot wide and 16 foot deep. And they were having church in that settlement of about 10,000 people that they're trying to reach in this one little community. Different people in that community was opening up their doors for people to come meet there. And so every Saturday they got out chairs or maybe it was in their place on Monday or another place on Wednesday or their place on Friday and they would have all these chairs set up everywhere in the house and outside the house and people gathered together. I said, well, where do they sleep? 
there was a tent in the back of the room, uh, not a tent, a, uh, uh, a curtain in the back of the room that was about three foot from the wall. That's where they had their bed. They just slept and put all their food and stuff back there behind that wall because they wanted people to have church in their house. Be an Aquila or Priscilla. Just draw along someone and minister to them and help them. In verse number five, he mentions, he mentions Eponidas. He says, salute my well-beloved Eponidas, who is the first fruits of Achaia unto Christ. It, it seems that he is the first person Paul led to Jesus in that part of the world. And it means something to you when, when people whom you've invested in not only get saved, but they're still faithfully serving years later. My well-beloved Eponidas, salute him. Then in verse number 7, he mentions a couple of people by the name of Andronicus and, and Junia. And he says, salute Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners who are of note among the apostles who also were in Christ before me. I want to hear my jail ministry say amen right there. I mean, these men, listen, these men were a part of Paul's jail ministry. He had, he, had, he had been with them when he was in prison because of his faith. And he says that they, these individuals, they are of note among the apostles who, saw, who also were in Christ before me. They were, they were men who had developed a worthy reputation amongst the spiritual leaders of the local church. Great men of God. Then in verse 10, he mentions, the, he mentions two households in, in verses 10 and verse 11. He mentions the household of Aristobulus. He says, salute them which are of, uh, which are of Aristobulus's household. And then at the end of verse 11, greet them that are the household of Narcissus, which, which are in the Lord. History tells us that that these, one of these men was most likely the grandson of Herod, and uh, Aristobulus was most likely the grandson of Herod and brother of King Agrippa. And he dwelled at Rome and was close friends to the emperor Claudius. Narcissus was also a friend of Claudius, but he was put to death during the reign of Nero. And when these men died, their household slaves would have been inherited by the Roman emperor and recognized as the household of their previous owners. And it's these slaves, if you would, that Paul recognized in our text who had come to Christ despite the horrible conditions in which they lived. He mentions them here in verses 10 and 11. And then there's the general mentions. He says Mary in verse number 6, Greet Mary who bestowed much labor on us. I don't know what she did. I don't know how much labor. I don't know, I don't have a clue what it was. But it meant something to Paul what she did. In verse 8, he speaks of Amplius, the beloved. Read with me. In verse, in verse 8, he mentions Urbane, the helper, and Statius, the beloved. Apelles, the approved, in verse 9. Herodian, the kinsman, in verse 11. Tryphena and Tryphosa, I don't know, maybe they were twins. And Persis the laborer in verse 12. Rufus the chosen and his mother in verse 13. Asyncritus, Phlego, Hermas, 
Petrobus, Hermes, and the faithful brethren who served with them in verse 14, Philologus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister Olympus, and all the saints which are with them, he mentions in verse 15. And then in verse 16, he speaks of the like-minded churches who have been established by a common belief in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't have to reach the thousands to be a giant with God. You just got to make yourself available. Let God use you in whatever capacity he can use you. Be a part of the church. Serve, minister. Look for a way that you can be a blessing or a help to see the work of God go forward. Just get involved somewhere. And I promise you this, whether Pastor Ricky notices it or someone else notices it, Pastor Gill notices it, I promise you this, God notices it. God knows our heart. And God taught me way back then, you know what? You don't have to be a fiery evangelist, Larry, and travel the world to do great things for God. You can just pastor your church and be faithful and minister to them and love them and see God do great things. Are you with me? These are great giants of God. In my Bible, there's a quote. I think, uh, I'm going to give Krista credit for this because I think she put it on Facebook recently. But I keep this quote in the cover of my Bible. And it was made by Hudson Taylor, the great missionary to China. He said, all God's giants have been weak men who did great things for God because they simply reckoned on his being with them. It's God who's the great one. Amen? It's God who can do glorious and wonderful things. And so the Lord impressed upon my heart, and I did this every week in November last year, I want to do the same this month. I just want to recognize different people in our church who probably may, may not get noticed and sometimes may even feel a little bit forgotten. But they have ministered in this place in a God-sized way. And the first one that I want to recognize before I go to the invitation this morning is an individual who became a part of Somerville Baptist Church around 18 years ago and faithfully, faithfully, faithfully served. Always was a blessing, and I've never heard one negative comment about this individual. I have seen them personally in different ministries, serve faithfully and do what they could to be sure people, people got saved. Are you with me? To make sure that people got saved. And they served faithfully and ministered. And there were times where they'd stand, and they even stood behind this pulpit and sang and touched heaven with their voice as they ministered to us. And so the Lord impressed upon my heart about a month ago to honor and recognize 
this particular individual. And I'm thankful that they're with us today. So, I want you to do me a favor, would you please? I'd like for all of you to stand. And Mary, Mary Winton, would you please come to the platform? Would you please give her a round of applause? As you know, Mary was diagnosed with Parkinson's about 20 years ago. And she faithfully served the Lord as long as she possibly could. And she's not able to get with us very much anymore because of her health. And I don't ever want her to feel forgotten. When I asked Larry if we could do this, her first reaction was no. And Pastor, Pastor Lewis taught me how to use words to persuade people to say yes. <laughs> he was a master at it. Mary, I, I, I want you to know that your faithfulness to the Lord is recognized. And that I think that you're a great giant in the faith. And we love you with all of our hearts. And we just want to show a token of our appreciation for that. You're very welcome. I'll let Larry carry these flowers, okay? These are not from Larry. He has to get his own. All right. Well, this is, this is for you. And also, I talked to him about this. I want to present you with a gift. And I wanted you two to be able to get away. And I realize you used to always go with us on mission trips, and you would minister. And uh, I remember one in particular that I, that I led in Houston, and what a blessing you were to us there. And I realize that maybe long trips are, are not an opportunity anymore. But I talked to Larry about it, and we want to send both of you to the Gunnersville State Park Lodge. Beautiful place. And we want to cover you for your two-night stay and all of your food and uh, everything that you possibly could need there. We want to be a blessing to you and just offer you this gift, okay? We love you very, very much. Why don't you keep that... I want to pray with you, okay? Father, Lord, this is one of your choice servants. And uh, we love this dear woman. We love her family and how they have faithfully served you in different capacities. And this morning we just honored that she is able to be with us today. And we love her and we're thankful for her. And God, I thank you for the testimony in which she has lived her life. And she has brought great glory to you. And she has done what she could to see people come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Would you please honor her and bless her? And may she feel 
the love of the church today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's give her one big hand as she goes back to her seat, okay? Could our pianist come? Let's all stand, heads bowed, eyes closed. How's the Lord spoken in your heart today?